0: Chapter Eight, Part Two of the Many-Sided Franklin by Paul Lester Ford. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Chapter Eight, Jack of All Trades, Part Two. Franklin, as he grew in years, came to disapprove heartily of the whole slave system, and he expressed satisfaction, quote, "that a disposition to abolish slavery prevails in North America, that many Pennsylvanians have set their slaves at liberty, and that even the Virginia Assembly have petitioned the King for permission to make a law for preventing the importation of more into the colony." End quote when the initial abolition society in america was formed he became its president and his name was signed to the first petition for the abolition of the slave trade ever sent to congress an act which resulted in his being personally vituperated on the floor of that body less than a month before his death the debate on this petition drew from him the last public paper he ever penned in which with his usual socratic cleverness he took all the arguments advanced by the favorers of slavery and by putting them into the mouth of an algerine as reasons for continuing the holding of europeans in bondage made each one become a reason for ending the system as franklin was an instinctive trader so he was a natural artisan it has ever been a pleasure to me to see good workmen handle their tools he remarked in his autobiography and it has been useful to me having learnt to be able to do little jobs myself in my house when a workman could not readily be got and to construct little machines for my experiments while the intention of making the experiment was fresh and warm in my mind how he, in his printing office, contrived molds, made printer's ink, constructed a copper-plate press, cut ornaments for the paper money, and in other ways proved that his abilities were not merely intellectual, is told elsewhere. His scientific writings continually describe, quote, little machines that I had roughly made for myself, end quote so too though almost wholly without art instinct he made diagrams and sketches to illustrate and explain his writings that prove a fair knowledge of perspective and a distinct knack of fingers he even essayed at times to do an artist's work long after his retirement from active printing the continental congress secured his aid in the design of their currency and he not only merely sketched the cuts but having in some of his studies discovered that the veins of leaves like the lines of the finger-ends were never alike he suggested the use of a different leaf for each denomination thus making counterfeit difficult for his Gazette, he engraved a crude type-metal map of the Siege of Louisburg, which, so far as known, is the first attempt of a paper to illustrate news. So, in his pamphlet entitled Plain Truth, he designed and engraved a cut of Hercules and the Waggoner. During Stamp Act times, he made a symbolic print which had considerable vogue while serving in the continental congress he was appointed a member of the committee to prepare devices for a great seal and he suggested moses lifting up his wand and dividing the red sea and pharaoh and his chariot overwhelmed by the waters with the motto rebellion to tyrants is obedience to god which was adopted by the committee but rejected by congress in 1782 of his own volition and at his own charge he had struck after his ideas a medal to commemorate the revolution which he reports was mighty well received and gives general pleasure in paris and which he hopes will be equally liked in america a greater service he rendered to art was in selecting houdin for the execution of the bust of washington voted by virginia and in persuading that sculptor to undertake the commission However little of an artist he may have been, a number of his most intimate friends were of that profession, and he shows the interest of a cultivated man in their work. With Benjamin West, a friendship was formed in Pennsylvania long before the painter was known as such. When he went to London, Franklin gave him letters of introduction that helped him materially, and the two corresponded on terms of close intimacy during the rest of Franklin's life. To Patience Wright's another american and the madame tussard of her day he gave aid and friendship and helped her son when he came to paris as a would-be artist afterward consenting to sit to him for one of the first portraits the artist ever painted in london he made the acquaintance of john flaxman when his career was just beginning and he it was who brought the young fellow to the attention of josiah Wedgwood. Franklin had early in life become interested in the problem of printing on China, and this served to give him a common interest with Wedgwood, and led to a lifelong friendship with the artist Potter. He even thought himself first in the field in this process, writing an engraver who had sent him some specimens in reference to the invention, Quote, i know not who portends to that of the copper-plate engravings for earthenware and i am not disposed to contest the honour with anybody as the improvement in taking impressions not directly from the plate but from printed paper applicable by that means to other than flat forms is far beyond my first idea but i have reason to apprehend that i might have given the hint on which the improvement was made for more than twenty years since i wrote to dr mitchell from america proposing to him the printing of square tiles for ornamenting chimneys from copper plates describing the manner in which i thought it might be done and advising the borrowing from the booksellers the plates that had been used in a thin folio called moral virtue delineated for the purpose the Dutch delta tiles were much used in America, which are only or chiefly scripture histories wretchedly scrawled i wished to have those moral prints which were originally taken from horace's poetical figures introduced on tiles which being about our chimneys and constantly in the eyes of children when by the fireside might give parents an opportunity in explaining them to impress moral sentiments and i gave expectations of great demand for them if executed Dr. Mitchell wrote to me, in answer, that he had communicated my scheme to several of the principal artists in the earthen way about London, who rejected it as impracticable, and it was not till some years after that I first saw an enameled snuff-box, which I was sure was from a copper plate, though the curvature of the form made me wonder how the impression was taken." End quote it is a curious fact that franklin however much a mechanic and however fertile-minded left behind him so few inventions of any great value his lightning-rod and his stove elsewhere described being his only important discoveries yet as in his idea of printing on china many of his imperfect ideas could have been developed into very valuable improvements how he experimented in stereotyping has already been told before argand invented his lamp franklin had conceived the idea of a burner which should supply a column of air in the centre he made an essay with a bulrush without success and according to jefferson quote, his occupations did not permit him to repeat and extend his trials to the introduction of a larger column of air than could pass through the stem of a bulrush Yet he seems to have achieved a partial success, for a visitor to his house noted, quote, a lamp which, with only three small wicks, gives a luster equal to six candles, a pipe is introduced into the midst, which supplies fresh and cool air to the lights, End quote. Having found an account of, quote, a well-known practice of the Chinese to divide the hold of a great ship into a number of separate chambers by partitions tight cocked he suggested that the system might with advantage be introduced into ship-building as a safeguard to life and property but the subject is so briefly dwelt upon as to show that he attached little value to what has since become to be of such consequence so contending that quote, men do not act like reasonable creatures when they build for themselves combustible dwellings in which they are every day obliged to use fire he drew up a paper on how houses could be better protected from the risk. When he himself built, he evolved a system tending to the modern fireproof construction by quote, a few precautions not generally used. To wit, none of the wooden work of one room communicates with the wooden work of any other room, and all the floors and even the steps of the stairs are plastered close. End quote. Of minor improvements, Franklin perfected more he first made for his own use the double spectacles with lenses curved for near and far sight he constructed a clock with three wheels only which showed hours minutes and seconds though not the first to make letter-copying presses he was consulted by watt and suggested several improvements which made them more effective for his own convenience he worked out an artificial arm for taking books from shelves out of reach in his library quote, below the grate on the hearth there was a small iron plate or trap-door about five or six inches square with a hinge and a small ring to raise it by when this door or valve was raised a current of air from the cellar rushed up through the grate to rekindle the fire at the head of his bed there were two cords one was a bell-pull, and the other, when pulled, raised an iron bolt about an inch square and nine or ten inches long, which dropped through staples at the top of the door when shut, and until this bolt was raised, the door could not be opened. In 1787, Washington, as he phrased it in his diary, quote, visited a machine at Dr. Franklin's, called a mangle for pressing in place of ironing clothes from the wash which machine from the facility with which it dispatches business is well calculated for tablecloths and such articles as have not pleats and irregular foldings and would be very useful in all large families such are samples of his almost numberless devices and improvements an invention not to be passed over was a musical instrument of which franklin thought so highly as to believe that it would entirely supersede the piano and harpsichord in london during his second visit franklin heard a mr delaval a most ingenious member of our royal society play melodies by rubbing his fingers upon the edges of glass bowls which had been first tuned by putting into them water more or less as each note required being charmed by the sweetness of its tones and the music he produced from it franklin set about perfecting the idea into an instrument he had blown a number of glass half-spheres of different sizes and these he tuned by grinding away the edges until they were in harmony with the notes of the harpsichord having obtained this result he placed thirty-seven of them Quote, sufficient for three octaves with all the semitones upon a spindle which by means of a wheel and a pedal could be revolved this instrument is played upon by sitting before the middle of the set of glasses as before the keys of a harpsichord turning them with the foot and wetting them with a sponge and clean water the fingers should be first a little soaked in water and quite free from all greasiness a little fine chalk upon them is sometimes useful to make them catch the glass and bring out the tones more readily both hands are used by which means different parts are played together observe the tones are best drawn out when the glasses turn from the ends of the fingers not when they turn to them franklin named it the harmonica in honor so he wrote in italian of your musical language and claimed that the advantages of this instrument are that its tones are incomparably sweet beyond those of any other that they may be swelled and softened at the pleasure by stronger or weaker pressures of the finger and continued to any length and that the instrument being once well tuned never again wants tuning he himself took great pleasure in playing upon it and an amusing glimpse is obtained of him during his last years by a paragraph of one of his letters in which he said Monsieur Pagan did me the honor of visiting me yesterday. He is assuredly one of the best men possible, for he had the patience to listen to me playing an air on the harmonica and to hear it to the end. end quote. Again, Madame Brillon, seeking to tempt him to her home, promises that, quote, Father Pagan will play the God of Love on the violin, I will march on the piano, you little birds on the harmonica. End quote. And the same writer, in describing their future life in heaven, prophesies that quote, Monsieur Mesmer will be contented with playing on the harmonica without boring us with electric fluid. End quote. Franklin was a performer on more than the harmonica. For previous to his development of it, he could play on the harp, the guitar, and the violin. Referring to a present, he told the donor that he should. Quote, Never touch the sweet strings of the British lyre without remembering my British friends and particularly the kind giver of the instrument. End quote. In France, a friend wrote him that he had searched for harps everywhere without being able to find any, and offers to procure him a pianoforte, for it will supply the place of the harp. End quote. This may not have been for his own use, however, for Franklin assured Madame Brulon that in the forty years he would probably have in heaven before her advent, he should have time enough to practice on the harmonica, and perhaps I shall play well enough to be worthy to accompany you on the pianoforte, and in this case we shall have every now and then some little concerts." he even seems to have turned his hand to composing for the same lady acknowledged the receipt of your music engraved in america but it has not been possible to identify the piece this ends chapter eight part two